morning. You sound great this morning. Good to see you here this morning. Um, congratulations, by the way. You did it. You're here. Uh, you made it to worship at 8.30, or thereabouts. Um, that's great. Great. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Thomas Jefferson said, in 50 years, the sun has never caught me in bed. But it was Drew Carey who said, oh, you hate to get up early in the morning? Why didn't you say so? There's a support group for that. It's called Everybody. <laughs> they meet at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. But you made it here this morning. And you picked a great morning to be here, by the way. Because we are starting a brand new little sermon series that I'm calling Making It Count. And I'm really excited about this. I'm looking forward to it. In fact, I think the sermons that I'm going to preach in the next couple weeks may be some of the most encouraging and challenging sermons that I've preached in a long time. Or they could be some of the most depressing sermons <laughs> I have preached in a long time. I'm not sure which, but I'm really hoping for the former, okay? Uh, but I do believe that what I want to share with you in the coming weeks is going to encourage us to, to be living the life that God has uh, asked us to live and granted us to live. So I'm going to begin this series by asking you a question. What is your life? What is your life? Because the Bible has an answer for that question. The Bible says your life is vapor, to mist, to dust, to shadow. James says you are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Okay, we're leaning toward depressing already, I know. But stay with me here. Because my goal is not to depress you. My goal in this series is to motivate us to, to think about the priorities that we have in life, to, to recalibrate our lives a little bit, and focus on what really is most important, and, and realize that there is a clock ticking. Because unless you're Elvis, you are going to die. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die. None of us are getting out of here alive. You know, the Hebrew writer says that each person is destined to die. Again, aren't you glad you woke up and got to church early this morning? But listen, this is actually a good thing. This realization, it's actually a liberating realization. There's freedom in knowing and understanding and lining our lives up with the reality that this life is not all there is. You know, this life is going to be over. This body is going to go away, but, but that's not the end. So let me just kind of jump in with both feet and tell you that all of us come with an expiration date. Since the day you were born, you have been living under the shadow of death. And probably no one in history understood this better than the Old Testament character Moses. Moses might hold the world record for most funerals attended. Now, you think about Moses as an adult, his one goal, his one passion, what drove him was leading God's people out of Egyptian slavery to the promised land. And Moses does that. 
and he gets them right to the doorstep of the promised land, and then God judges that generation to be unworthy to inhabit the land. And God basically tells Moses, I want you to turn around, and I want you to wander in the wilderness for a long time. And that's exactly what Moses does. For almost 40 years, they wander in circles in the wilderness attending funerals. Moses went to a lot of funerals, funeral after funeral, memorial after memorial, eulogy after eulogy, watching an entire generation pass away. And it weighed on Moses. I know it weighed on Moses because he wrote a song about it. And you have a copy of the song with you, by the way. It's Psalm chapter 90. Listen how this song starts, written by Moses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses begins by telling God, Lord, you are eternal. You have no end. You have no beginning. There is no birth date. As Moses reflects on all the funerals that he's attending, he's overwhelmed by the everlasting nature of God. There was never a before God existed. There will never be an after God exists. God has always been. He always will be. And Moses has been going to all these funerals of people that were and now they're not. And he starts thinking about and comparing the everlasting nature of God and the very finite nature of mankind. He says in verse 3, you turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that's just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it's dry and withered. You look at the metaphors that are used in Scripture to describe our life, or our days, and they all stress brevity, vapor, mist, dust, withered grass, a start date, a stop date, and a dash in the middle. Now, since we live in a culture that has quite a few resources, we think about this less than most. Because we have enough money to buy things and we're able to take trips and experiences to sort of distract us from the reality that our life really is just a vapor. Eugene Peterson, the guy who wrote the message, talks about spending some time at a Benedictine monastery at one point in his life. And there was a path that led from the place of prayer to the cafeteria. And they're walking down this path one afternoon and he walks past the cemetery that's on that path. And he sees an open grave there. And Eugene Peterson asks one of the monks, who's the grave for? And the monk said, the next one. So every day, these monks walk down this path looking at a grave site, knowing that one day they're going to be the next one. The Jewish Talmud tells men to repent the day before they die. Which, of course, leads to the question, how do you know when the day before you die is going to be? Of course, you don't. So you should be repenting all the time, every day, because you never know when one day will be your last day. You're a mist. You're a vapor. Moses goes on and says this in verse 10. The length of our days is 70 years. 
or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away. Quickly pass, and we fly away. So I'm glad morning. Um, this life is over. Kind of interesting. Moses wrote that thousands of years ago. With all of our technology, all of our medical advances, you know what the average lifespan for an American is today? It's about 78 years. So, I want you to turn to the person sitting beside you right now and say, you're going to die. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not expect this much laughter. I thought that might be kind of a somber thing to say to somebody. But it actually proves my point because even though we all intellectually understand that, there's something weird about saying it, isn't it? And there's something that's a little bit off-putting and you really can't say it without sort of not knowing how to react. When someone tells me, I'm going to die. And by the way, if you're a young person here, if you're like younger than, than 35, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay? I mean, when you're young, you know, you're bulletproof. And you don't even think that you have, a, you know, an expiration date someday. But trust me, when you get to be my age, I'm of the generation where we can hurt ourselves getting out of bed. <laughs> You all know we can, those of you who are older. You know, you're like, oh man, my back's hurt. What'd you do? I don't know. I got out of bed and twisted something. (laughs) It's a thing when you get to be my age. So those of you who are younger, you you got that to to look forward to, I guess. But intellectually, we all understand the last thing we're going to own is some kind of a marker. And it's going to have a start date, and it's going to have an end date, and there's going to be a dash in the middle. And the truth is, you had nothing to do with that first date, and you have no idea when that second date is going to be. The only thing you can control is the dash. The only thing that you have control over is how you live that dash. And to live that dash well, you're going to need some wisdom. Listen to verse 12. Kind of the anchor text of my lesson this morning. Moses says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What do you need to live your dash well? What you're going to need is wisdom. The wisdom that tells us to count our days, to make sure that every one of our days count. The real tragedy isn't that people are dying. The real tragedy is people aren't living in the goodness of God while while they're alive. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you look back at those Egyptians, or the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, who were wandering in the wilderness, they don't accomplish anything of significance in those 40 years. While they're wandering in the wilderness, they don't accomplish anything of significance. All they did was walk around in circles and attend funerals. And it weighed on Moses. And Moses said, Oh God, give us wisdom. Teach us to number our days. 
Listen. Here's the thing about godly wisdom. It will not protect you from a wounded life. Don't let any preacher tell you that it will. Don't let any Bible teacher tell you that if you just do what God tells you to do, your life will be free from pain and heartache and suffering. That is not the case. Godly wisdom will not protect you from a wounded life. What it will protect you from is a wasted life. And it starts with an understanding that our days are numbered. And there is a clock that's ticking. You know, I, I have always thought that you can sort of separate people into two different groups. There are checker players and there are chess players. You pretty well divide people that way. I'm very much a checker player, okay? I, I look at a checkerboard and I say, okay, I would make that move. That move seems to make sense to me. That's my next move. I have a brother who is very much a chess player. It's the one in Oregon, the one you don't know. <laughs> My brother loves chess. He's played all his life. He, he, he plays online all the time. He's such a nerd. <laughs> but Don does not play chess with the next move in mind. He plays chess with the last move in mind. We used to play when we were younger. He was always 10 moves ahead of me. I have never in my life beaten him in chess. So long ago, I quit trying. But he doesn't play chess with the next move in mind. He plays chess with the very last move in mind. And again, not trying to be morbid, but realizing that our time here on this earth is limited should be extremely motivating. Making every move with the last move in mind. I'm not talking about time management as much as I'm talking about life management. We want to we live the days that we're alive. So, where do I go for wisdom when I'm talking about how do I live my life? Well, I go to the one who's beyond time. I go to the one who's above time. The one who's from everlasting to everlasting. I mean, if you want to know how to live your dash... Listen to the one who doesn't have a start or a finish. Uh, David says this in Psalm 39. O Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We're merely moving shadows. And all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth for someone else to spend. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Now, when you start to understand what Moses and what David both are talking about, you start to appreciate some of the realities of our human existence. And one of those realities is every day, is a gift from God. We know this, but we need to remind ourselves every day is a gift from God. Now, most of us hate to see money wasted, don't we? We shake our heads when we see somebody you know, who's won the lottery and then five years later they're, 
they're filing for bankruptcy because they've wasted all, those, all, all that money. Or a professional athlete who signs this huge contract and then five years after they leave the league, they're you know, arrested for selling drugs or something because they don't have any money left. But there's something that we all waste that's so much more valuable than money, and that's time. We all waste time. Say, well, well, time is money. Okay, I'll argue time is more valuable than money. You lose money, you can get more money. You lose time, you can't get more time. Go to a hospital sometime. Talk to somebody who knows they're about to die and ask them, would you rather have more dollars or would you rather have more days? I think it's interesting that God does not say through Moses or, or through David that he wants us to number our years. He says, number your days. See, we count years, don't we? We have birthdays. We count years. God says, no, you need to count your days. You need to make sure that every day counts. You woke up this morning. Earlier than usual, I'm guessing, on a Sunday morning. But you woke up and you got here. You enjoyed a measure of health that allowed you to get up and get out the door and, and get your family out and your, your kids out the door. Today's been a gift already. Today has been a grace. And too many people are wasting that gift with that when-then thinking. When this, when that, when they, then my life is going to be just right. For some of you, your favorite day is someday. It's your favorite day of the week, someday. You know what God's favorite day of the week is? Today. It's God's favorite day of the week. He talks about it all the time. Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know what the best day to rejoice is? Today. Today is the best day you have to rejoice. If you've been keeping in some rejoicing, if you've been kind of waiting to let that out, you need to do that today. You need to let it out today. Somebody say amen. There you go. See, we're getting there already. Today is the best day to rejoice, to be happy, to be grateful. That's today. Today is also the best day to repent. Three times the Hebrew writer says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. When does God want you to repent? Today. He doesn't want you to repent next week. Tomorrow, he wants you to repent today. You know what? Today is the best day be saved as well. 2 Corinthians 6, God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. And right now, some of you are thinking, I need to be more grateful. I need to be more joyful. I need to change my attitude. I need to repent of some of the things that I've been doing. You know, I, I need to go ahead and give my life to the Lord. And Satan is whispering in your ear, yes, you do, someday. 
And the Spirit is screaming, Today! (laughs) Do those things today. It's the best day. Your days are numbered. We don't want to waste a single one. I'll tell you something else uh, about numbering our days. Today the important has got to trump the urgent. My old friend Calvin says this, God put me on earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind, I will never die. <laughs> Here's the reality. You are not going to get to everything you want to do in your lifetime. You are not going to be able to accomplish everything you dream of accomplishing in your lifetime. You are going to have to make some choices. And if you don't make the choices, life will make choices for you. And life will always pressure you to deal with the urgent and push the important off till someday. Life will always pressure you. I've got to deal with this that's urgent but I'm going to put this important stuff away for another day. You know, you think about Jesus. He spent really about half the number of days that most of us plan on spending here on this earth, and yet he never seemed to be in a hurry. And he always seemed to have time for everyone. Uh, you, never see, you never see Jesus rushing from place to place. And yet he was able to accomplish Everything God wanted him to accomplish while he was here on earth, which leads me to my last thought. You ready for this? You have time to do everything God wants you to do. You don't have time to do everything that you might want to do. You do have time to do everything God wants you to do. Why? Uh, I know I should spend more time in the Word. I know I'm, you know I'm not praying enough, but man, I've just been so busy. Nope. Nope. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. I know I need to be more invested in my children's life, but their schedule, my schedule, nope. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. I know my attitude towards my, you know, my spouse isn't the greatest, but you know, her schedule, my schedule, I'm so busy and life is so hectic. Nope. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. I need to be more intentional about my service. I need to be more intentional about you know, my, uh, my witness. But wow, if you knew how hectic... Nope. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. And you know this in your heart. You know this deep in your heart. Because you know that someday you're going to stand before the Lord. And if He judges anything in your life to be inadequate, you know that you're not going to be able to say, hey, wait, God, that's not fair. Because your expectations of me and for me were way too high because I didn't have time to do all those things. You know that's not going to fly. Because you have time to do everything that God wants you to do. You, need, you don't need more time. What you need is more wisdom on how you use your time. A writer by the name of Barbara Taylor tells the story of a, a professor who went to speak at a military base and he was picked up at the airport by a soldier by the name of Ralph. 
And as they were moving from the, the gate to the baggage claim, he noticed that Ralph kept disappearing. Ralph went over and he was helping a, a, an elderly woman with some luggage that had spilled open and he was putting it back together for her. And then he ran over to a water fountain and he lifted up a little boy to help him get a drink. And then Ralph wandered off to help a couple that looked confused and he was giving them directions around the airport. And every time Ralph came back to the professor, he had a big smile on his face. And the professor finally asked him, Ralph, where did you learn to live this way? And Ralph said, in Vietnam. He said, I was assigned to be one of the guys that were clearing landmines. And I saw a lot of my friends get blown up. And I never knew when I took a step. And I lifted my foot if it was going to be the last step I ever took. So I decided in Vietnam I was going to be very intentional about making the most of every step I take. When we begin to realize that our life is a vapor, that our life is a mist, when it's as Kansas told us all those years ago, dust in the wind. When we realize that, you start to notice all the opportunities. You start to notice all the moments to live and to laugh and to rejoice and to serve and to love and to worship. We can't save time, but we can invest time. So, this morning, I've got two challenges for you. Two challenges. First challenge. You might want to write this down. It's homework. Um, we'll go back and check the tape. First challenge. Move something from your someday list to your today list. Move one thing from your someday list and put it into your today list. Now, for some of you, you might have somebody you need to apologize to, and you're going to do it someday. There might be a hard conversation that you need to have, and you're going to do it someday. Some of you, it might be a lifestyle change that you need to make. For some of you, it might be a promise that you made to a family member or to God. And you're going to keep that promise someday. My challenge is one thing, move one thing from your someday list to your today list. And then my second challenge is, every morning this week, I want you to challenge yourself to start it with the same prayer that Moses ended his song with. And here it is. Psalm chapter 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. My challenge is for you to start every morning this week with that prayer. God, let your love be enough for me today. And I will sing for joy and be glad all the days of my life. Now, you're not going to be able to remember to do that, so I've made a whole bunch of cards. <laughs> I do this from time to time, you know. When you leave the auditorium this morning, now we're going to go over here and have some coffee and refreshments before class, but when you leave the auditorium, there's going to be some people at the door, and they're going to give you a card with that verse on it. 
And I want you to put the card someplace where you'll see it in the morning. On your mirror in, in your bathroom, on your refrigerator. It's where I, I look in my refrigerator every morning. That's where I put mine. But someplace where you'll see this card and you'll pray this prayer for a week. That's my challenge. Pray this prayer for a week and see if God doesn't sharpen uh, your focus on how it is we're spending our days. So, two challenges. Move one thing from your someday list to your today list and then ask God to satisfy us every morning with his unfailing love. This morning as we wrap up, as always, we want to offer an invitation. If there's something going on in your life that today you need the prayers of people who love you. Today, you need to make a commitment to the Lord. We would love to help you with that. And you can come to the front and let us know. We're going to stand together and sing.